Now have a listen to this. And that is a bit of Dana, which might have seemed quite random, but you, you, all will become clear as we go on. Do we have what we were going to listen to there? Okay, okay, let's, we're going to start again. Rewind. Have a listen to this. I'll take your part Oh, when darkness comes And pain is all around Like a bridge over troubled water I will lay me That's Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel. Paul Simon is good, but you'd have to say he's no Dan, is he? But uh, anyway, uh, can you believe that that song is actually almost 50 years old? It'll be 50 next year in 2020, as will a, a lot of iconic music and a lot of iconic albums from the Beatles, the Carpenters, the Velvet Underground, loads more people. I guess 1970 was a kind of a watershed year in popular culture. So we thought we'd get in first with doing the 50th anniversary of, of the great uh, music and films, etc. of 1970 as we approach the new decade. So I'm joined now to look back those 50 years with producer and broadcaster Owen Sweeney. Owen, you're very welcome. Good to see you, Brendan. How are you? Uh, I'm great, thanks. So, 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 Owen, set the scene for us. Right? The background politically and everything, what was going on here, what was going on in the world in 1970? It's funny, you've just mentioned the STLP and impeaching US presidents. So you, you go to America in 1970 <laughs> and it's all Richard Nixon. And uh, in fact, the STLP in the North were founded in 1970, as were the Alliance Party. Um, so they're both 50 years old next year. But Nixon was the big one and Nixon came to Ireland in 1970 as well. So there were protests throughout the world uh, against the Vietnam War. Of course, Nixon was the fellow who was meant to end the war, but then he ended up in uh, bombing Cambodia. And uh, there were great protests. The most famous, of course, took place at Kent State University. But also when he came to, to Ireland, there were protests and against Kent him. State University, tell us about that. It's a very it's a very significant moment, I think, in American... Uh, sorry, during the Vietnam War, I suppose. The adage always was that kind of the, the Vietnam War was lost in the living rooms and the, on the television screens of... Uh, uh, the houses and the homes of the United States because it was obviously broadcast in colour. But when there were protests after the bombing of Cambodia in late April 1970, there were protests in, in early May in Kent State and the Ohio National Guard opened fire on some of the protesting students. Of course, students were ideologically opposed to the war, but also they were the ones who were most going to be most affected should they be drafted. Four students were shot dead. Uh, many, many more were injured. And almost immediately, to go back to the music, that Neil Young picked up a guitar and wrote the song Ohio, which he was then released by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young Let's and became a, a massive that success. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young and, and Ohio. Now, Owen, 
Bands breaking up today, like it doesn't mean anything because we know they'll be back with their reunion tour and the 10-year tour and everything. When band, in, in 1970, when a band broke up, they actually broke up. And we had a lot of big breakups that year, didn't it, we? It was forever. And the, the biggest of them all, it was the biggest music story. It's a weird year, 1970. It's kind of very much kind of the end of the 60s. It happened at Altamont and the Stones and blah, 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 blah. And then 1971, kind of the 70s almost starts in earnest. So 1970 almost literally falls between two stools. But the Beatles broke up in 1970. Paul McCartney said, that's it. I'm done, I'm out of here. He released his debut solo album before the final Beatles album release, which was Let It Be, uh, came out. And uh, that was it. You know, Lennon had quite, had solo quite, success. Quite bitter. And, yeah, it was. And it was kind of, I suppose, all you need is love became all you need is lawyers. And, um, you know, Alan Klein, effectively, people blame Yoko, but Alan Klein essentially destroyed the Beatles. Um, it's a weird one because Let It Be was recorded. It was a documentary. Uh, it's, it's going to be, in fact, Peter Jackson is looking at the original footage and is retooling it, digitising okay, it, etc. for okay, release next good, year. Yeah. So that's going to finally be seen. this is a portrait of, of a band at work. falling apart Well, allegedly well, falling apart. It? Yeah, and it's, and it's a weird one because the chronology isn't exact because after they did Let It Be and Lennon loved Let It Be kind of having those, you know, that look at the band and the cracks appearing and, you know, Paul belittling George Harrison's contributions to the band and that sort of stuff happening on film and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, them all fuming and Yoko in one corner and Paul, you know, kind of sulking in another, that sort of thing. That mythology suited Lennon, do you know what I mean, when he was doing his, his solo career. But in fact, they had gone on and recorded Abbey Road, which was their last actual album recording and a much, you know, much more cohesive record and also mm-hmm. a weirdly more representative record because George Harrison had two of his biggest songs. Finally, George was given his head and could have something and could have uh, Here Comes the Sun. Yeah. Two of the ever, evergreen Absolutely. Beatles yeah. songs yeah. are both on that record. And John did his own She's So Heavy, I Want You, that sort of stuff. And Paul did his lovely suite at the end, you know, Golden Slumbers and Carry That Weight in the end. And that all happened. And there was actually this year kind of uh, a tape has been made available. Mark Lewis and the great Beatles historian um, has, has uh, had access to it. And um, he's actually given a lecture tour, but he could only play a small snippet of it. Ringo was in hospital the band had had a meeting about their next album post Abbey Road so it wasn't necessarily the end and Let It Be wasn't the end because it leapfrogged you know as I say and kind of came out subsequent to Abbey Road so they were almost they were talking about doing more records and it was going to be more George Ringo if he wanted it a couple of John's and a couple of Paul's songs John had already done solo records Paul could do his solo records and they'd keep on going through the 70s they got in the room with the right person this is it and then the lawyers got involved and what happened look yeah story of everyone's life isn't it okay let's take a little bit of Let It Be and when the night is cloudy There is still a light that shines on me Shine until tomorrow, let it be I wake up to the sound of music Mother Mary comes to me Speaking words of wisdom, let it be Beautiful, that's the Beatles there and, and let it be. And do you know that a lot of our panel actually legged it when they heard we were going to talk about music, but Marion McKeown and Emily O'Connor said, Marion McKeown, we you said. don't remember uh, 1970, obviously. No, but, and but, you know, uh, I misread or misheard the brief because I thought it was classic albums of the 70s. And I remember from about 1976 onwards when I started buying albums and it was all Sex Pistols and Clash and all that. And a fair bit of country music thrown in as well, I have to say. Uh, Merle Haggard and Johnny Cash and... Graham Parsons, 
the Grievous Angel, which to me was one of the great albums of the yeah. 70s. Yeah. And I love music so much that I was thrilled we were coming here to talk about <laughs> I'm in awe of your knowledge. Well, well it's, and, it's and like you, ju- you just course. did to talk about great albums of the 70s. And that's the thing, like the 70s is now, like for a long time, people were like, that was such a naff decade mm. and everything. Oh, but now I think music. we're starting to realise that it could have been one of the last uh, great decades. Yeah. Uh, back to 1970, Simon and Garfunkel also split. They did, and you mentioned kind of uh, that that this was bands splitting. It was forever, and of course, when the Beatles split in '75, no one thought they're going to have careers in popular music that lasted anything longer than 18 months you know <laughs> it just didn't happen uh, so the Beatles never got back together Simon and Garfunkel Paul Simon wanted to do his own things Art Garfunkel was doing the old acting as well and uh, they had a massive success with Bridge Over Troubled Water album and it's weird when you look at some of these albums as when you listen back to them they, they open with such like that opens with Bridge Over Troubled Water then goes into um, El Condor Pass then goes into Cecilia like that's three massive hit singles yeah. one after yeah. the other Side 2 opens with The Boxer and you kind of going whether they were yeah. just kind of spitting yeah. out these songs you get one of them on an album exactly no like, exactly yeah, right yeah, yeah, so yeah. Art Garfunkel Jan, uh, tried his hand at acting Paul Simon did solo albums but of course Paul Simon could write songs but the songs he wrote that he could sing were slightly less successful than the songs he wrote that Art Garfunkel could sing and of course their voices meshed together so come 1980 their careers were not quite on their uppers they got back together for a concert in Central Park that became a massive double album and they kind of their orbits kind of are they, they, they mixed in and out of each other's orbits ever since Now the other thing we saw around this time was what, what subsequently became known as the 27 Club mm. uh, the kind of beginning of those yeah. uh, r- young right, rock star deaths, deaths. Yeah. Uh, the two biggest and two of the big and, and again it's kind Kind of you can over egg this, I suppose. It was hard to look at 1970 with the eyes of someone in 1970 because so much as Marion said, and I'm glad you started with punk in 76. That hadn't happened. That was ne- yeah, that wasn't yeah. even you know a dream. But uh, Hendrix and Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, two of the leading lights of you know that kind of the, the the hippie and the rock movements and the mixture of blues and 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 rock bands and I suppose hard drinking and then unfortunately hard drugs and lo and, and behold they're both dead at the age of 27. And was it around this time that the, that kind of darker element? came into the music industry. Yeah. yeah, the harder drugs kicked in, you know, the Stones kind of were on going on bigger and bigger tours, bands got a bit bloated, you know. I, it's also the time when kind of stadium rock happened as well and kind of the, that separation, which is kind of why punk happened, that separation from the bigger acts of the bigger acts from their audience if you like and they were sequestered in hotels they were bored out of their minds and then you know okay. they, they fell in with bad company and, yeah. out the window the, and the yeah, exactly up the nose. Yeah. exactly yeah. Keith yeah. Moon yeah. and yeah. the Who and all these the, the exact and so then this is the, who were in the, the wings, era of exactly. private jets and, and, and all that kind of thing yeah, exactly um, the, the business changed do you know what I mean the first Glastonbury yeah. was in 1970 Okay, so, so it's we saw the beginning of, of exactly. that culture yeah. as well. The right? Isle of Wight yeah. in the UK, 600,000 people there, thereabouts, attended the 1970 Amazing. Isle of Wight, which is mad. Wow. Yeah, extraordinary. The logistics. <laughs> I don't think there don't were any logistics. Yeah, let's, no, let's no, I, think, I think the logistics were don't go near the brown acid. You're right, the Woodstock album and the Woodstock film were two of the big other cultural successes that year as well. I mean, the triple triple live album and, you know, the film went on for however long and cinemas and you know but that was the the last dying breath so of the again, hippie ideal. like the death of the 60s is a very strong kind of vibe in, it, in, the, in the 70s yeah, isn't it absolutely uh, yeah. uh, now what else we, we loaded uh, by the Velvet the Underground yeah. uh, and, and you know not as popular maybe commercially as as the, as the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel but 
hugely influential. The joke again is that everyone who bought this is their last of four albums with Lou Reed, who is this iconic figure, this literary and musical figure, and, and Mr. New York to a lot of people as well. And I think that's really what comes out of this album. But the joke is, of course, that everyone who bought their first album at the time set up a band and went on to some degree of success. This is the fourth one. I'd say barely, not that many more people would have bought this when it came out either, but David Bowie would have been one of them. And he's a man who had a strong hand two years later in resurrecting Lou Reed's career with Transformer, of course, and Walk on the Wild Side. And that begat the New York Dolls, which kind of in a way begat punk and the new wave uh, of the late 70s, which kind of were, you know, you and I might come in, you know what I mean? In terms of music, we've been listening to The Echo and the Bodyman and that sort of stuff. Um, So there's a direct line this is the last Lou Reed album with the band and Lou goes off his own way there but it's very much a New York sound and New York of course in 1970 was a vastly different place wow, yeah. than it is today a, a dirty sleazy dangerous uh, uh, dangerous downtown. is the word and, yeah. and, and affordable and, okay so we did, <laughs> yeah. we, did, we, did, we did, I think Lou Reed always got that vibe across mm. and uh, we're going to take not to alarm anyone now but we're going to hear a little bit of Sweet Jane by the Velvet Underground Standing on the corner Case in my hand. Jackson's course Jane is in her vest. And me, I'm in a rock and roll band. Huh. Riding us studs back at Jim. You know, those were different times. All, all the poets, they studied rules of verse. And those ladies, they rolled their eyes. That's Velvet Underground there in Sweet Jane. Marion McEwen, you have a, a funny story about Lou Reed. <laughs> I suppose it depends what constitutes funny, but I think it's funny. Uh, a very good friend of mine in New York worked for him. He was a musician as well. He became his butler and valet and whatever. And Lou Reed was, <laughs> bless him, on many, um, not illegitimate drugs or illegal drugs, but on many legal antipsychotic drugs uh, for a long time in New York before he died. And one of Chad's jobs was to pick up the uh, the prescription medicines. <laughs> but one day he went in to pick up the prescription medicines and there was also a 78-year-old woman in New York called Lu- Louise Reed. And Chad picked up, picked up her medicines, <laughs> which were for 78-year-old problems, arthritis and whatever and whatever. And Lou's taken for a couple of days and he suddenly becomes a total nightmare. Yeah. And an old friend of his was visiting and he said, you know, he's an even bigger effort now than he was back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And it turned out they discovered it a mistake because the woman was having a great time on all of Lou Reed's drugs. So they, they realised their error before before yeah. any major damage was done to either party. <laughs> yeah, and I think in fairness to Lou Reed, even with the drugs, you're yeah, the he's easiest person tricky. to be yeah. to be around. Um, yeah. Listen, B, I, I, we want to talk about the Carpenters as well, a big force in 1970. But before we talk about the Carpenters, let's just take a quick snatch of Close to You. Very briefly, as I was just saying to you before I got caught there, uh, the the carpenters. 
Yeah, close to you, their second album in the start. It, it's funny we talk about the Beatles. It is kind of a handover from the rock and roll to the kind of softer sound of uh, FM radio, I suppose, in the United States and middle of the road music as it might be pilloried, but some wonderful songwriting there. Close to you, and we've only just begun being the two main hits on that second Carpenters LP. It's also the year and then Heavy tra- Metal and started, a tragic by the way. ending a tragic ending Carpenter's Karen, story of course. Then. Yeah, absolutely, 1983. Um, but they're still a going concern. But yeah, drummer, singer, songwriter, and a massive inspiration for musicians of all stripes and uh, genders. And I think nobody would have predicted that originally, that it would turn out to be such a huge influence on the alternative scene Absolutely. As well, I mean, Kim Gordon, Sonic Youth, etc. You know, these are heavy people... Heavy metal invented in 1970. Well, essentially, yes. you know, you yeah. can argue this in the pub later, but Black Sabbath released their first two albums and they came from Birmingham. They were the sound of heavy industry. The guitar player lost two fingers famously in his last day working in a sheet metal factory. Still learned to play the guitar thanks to Django Reinhardt and they basically invented heavy metal. War pigs. Mm-hmm. Paranoid. What more do you want? Emily O'Connor, you're too young to remember any no, of this. I, well, I'm right? more an 80s teenager. Uh, I was a teenager in the 80s, but I remember the, the first, my parents must have bought it. The first album I ever bo- boogied in, in the bedroom to was the Simon and Garfunkel Bridge Over Troubled Water. And my, my first name is Cecilia, so I figured Cecilia had been specifically oh, written <laughs> for me. There yeah. you go. So it probably was. Uh, Owen, it's always such a pleasure to have you in and we always never get through half of what we're going to talk about because it's so great. Maybe maybe we'll do a podcast with the extra <laughs> hour of stuff that we were going to get through here. But uh, but that was fantastic. But what I do want to ask you finally is uh, in Ireland, what was going on in terms of the, the charts that year? Oh, yeah. Well, I should mention Rolf Harris was number one with two little boys uh, in January. Uh, Love Grows for My Rosemary Grows is number two for all of February. But from the 20th of March to the 15th of May 1970, there was one song that was number one. She was from Derry. She was Dan. And it was all kinds of everything. So, so she was number one for two months. Well yeah. done. Well done, Dana. Take that, Simon Ooh. and Garfunkel. <laughs> OK, listen, we've come to the end of the show. And t- thanks to all my guests today. Uh, today's researchers were Katrina McFadden and Michelle Brown, broadcast court. Coordinator is Cahill Minogue and sound was Kieran Dunn. Today's show was produced by the series producer Rachel Graham. And I guess all that's left to say is listen, have a fantastic Christmas. And you know what? Let's all be kind to each other this Christmas. It's been a it's been a hard all up and down year. So let's just be kind to ourselves and kind to each other this Christmas. And in that spirit, let's play a little bit of Dana and all kinds of everything. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Thank you.